one. Here we go.
saw Satan fall like lightning I saw darkness run for cover But the miracle that I just can't get over Is my name is registered in heaven Come on, sing I believe in signs and wonders I have a resurrection power Yes, we do Still the miracle that I just can't get over My name is registered in heaven So sing, yeah, my praise belongs to you forever Let me hear all the voices This is my testimony from death to life Cause grace rewrote my story I'll testify By Jesus Christ the righteous I'm justified This is my testimony This is my testimony Yeah! So with one voice let's come together Come on! Come together sons and daughters with blood and washing water Sing the praises of the Spirit, Son and Father Our God will finish what He started Always! Yeah, our God will finish what He started Oh, this is my testimony From death to life This grace rewrote my story I'll testify by Jesus Christ the righteous, I'm justified. This is my testimony. This is my testimony. Come on, sing this truth. Let's go. If I'm not dead, then you're not done. Cause greater things are still to come Oh, I believe If I'm not dead and you're not done That's true for you Cause greater things are still to come Oh, I believe If I'm not dead and you're not done Sing it out if you believe it Cause greater things are still to come Oh, I believe If I'm not dead and you're not done testimony from death to life because grace rewrote my story let's testify by Jesus Christ the righteous I'm justified this is my testimony oh I'm alive this is my testimony from death to life because grace rewrote my story I'll testify by Jesus Christ the righteous, I'm justified. This is my testimony. This is my testimony. Oh, this is my story. This could be your story. If you just believe, if you just believe, you can go from death to life. From death to life, if you believe it. Oh. 
and it's simply better. But the only way to experience it is through the connection with Jesus and know that in every circumstance, Jesus meets us just where we are. He is truth and life. Through every battle, through every heartbreak, through every circumstance, I believe that you are my fortress, well, you are my portion, you are my hiding place, yeah, I believe you are the way, the truth.
Jesus is the way, the truth, and the life. He is the foundation of our church and everything that we do. Now, Passion Community Church exists to reach people who aren't going to church with the truth of Jesus to help them to discover the way and the life that he wants for them. Well, hi, I'm Mark Tapscott, the campus pastor of the online campus here at PCC, and we're really glad that you're here with us today. Now, we are a multi-site church, meaning that we have this online campus and multiple physical campuses throughout Central Virginia. Now, today, this same service is happening in communities like Farmville and Aylet and Midlothian, Virginia. And online, we reach over 20 countries, places like Portugal and Puerto Rico and Ireland. Now, each physical campus has its own live band, like you just heard. And we'll all hear the same message that's being streamed from our Powhatan, Virginia location. Now, if you're new with us, or if it's your first time back in a while, then a special hello to you. And we'd love to know that you're here, and we'd love to get you any, informa any information that we can to help you as you check out our church and Matters of Faith. And you can do that by submitting a welcome card. And you can submit a welcome card by clicking the link in the chat or by simply visiting our website. And I'd be happy to help you in any way that I can. Now, regardless of whether it's your first day here or you've been around PCC for many of the last 20 years, we are always grateful for the time that we get to spend with you in these services. And this is just the beginning. What if I told you that in addition to experiencing these services, you could also learn more about who you are, what our church is about, and that you can meet other people in our church just like you? Well, guess what? You can do all that at Growth Track. So check out our website for more information about when and where and how it's offered. We have in-person and on-demand options available as well. Now also, if you live near one of our physical campuses, be sure to check out the events page on our website. Now, many of our campuses are hosting events in January and February, like a men's gathering called The Huddle at the Midlow campus in January. There's also a marriage retreat in February. There's even a father-daughter dance in February. So check out the events page. There's a ton of things happening all around PCC, and you're invited to participate at any of them or all of them. Hope to see you there. Now, today is the day. It's free t-shirt day. And you'll hear more about that later. And what's not to like about free swag, right? Well, recently we heard a story about our shirts and how they help some people connect. Now, we all know that in this time of year, more of us than usual are hitting the gym. And the other day, a man who goes to PCC was at the gym and saw a woman wearing a PCC shirt. He didn't know her, but the shirt let him know that they had something in common, our church. And he noticed that she looked a little bit upset. So he walked toward her, and he commented that he recognized her T-shirt, and that began a conversation where he found out that her son had just passed away, leaving her heartbroken and leaving several small children without a father. And he was able to listen to her and to remind her that our church is here and ready to help when and how it's best for her. Now, his presence also reminded her that her church and her God are with her wherever she is physically and emotionally. You see, when you give here, you create opportunities for those kinds of conversations. They happen because of t-shirts and decals on cars and stickers on laptops. They happen in our physical spaces that you pay rent and mortgage for 
that you help heat and cool and make comfortable and clean. And they happen online where you pay for the technology and equipment needed to bring you this service and other helpful services and programs all week long. You see, conversations like that happen all the time because of your financial gifts. So thank you. And you can be part of it by giving right now on our app or our website. Would you pray with me? Father, we thank you for something as simple as a t-shirt that sparks a conversation that helps someone get connected closer to you. And God, we thank you uh, how you take our gifts and you bless them and multiply them and you help people understand that you love them and care for them. So help us uh, carry that message wherever we go by wearing our t-shirts and putting stickers on our cars, whatever it takes to reach someone who doesn't know you so that they can discover how much you do love them. And we thank you for that this morning, for all the gifts that are being made right now. In Jesus' name, amen. Now we start a brand new series today, and our senior pastor, Brian Hughes, is going to tell you a little bit more about that. But I hope you, you'll sit back right now and listen to a song that we think fits the topic perfectly. I'm a living sunset, lightning in my bones Push me to the edge, but my will is stone Cause I believe in a better way Fools will be fools and wise will be wise But I will look this world straight in the eyes Cause I believe in a better way Yes, I believe in a better way What good is a man who won't take a stand? What good is a sinner with no better plan? Yes, I
Well, I, I want to get started by sort of acknowledging two things and bring them together. First, one of our core values at our church is that we're authentic in all relationships. What that means is that we're the real deal. We don't wear masks. We can tell the truth. The second thing I want to point out is that we are one church in multiple locations, which means that right now uh, we're together, even though we're not all in the same place. I just want to put those two things together uh, and being authentic in all relationships and telling the truth and, and the fact that we're in one church in multiple locations. I'd like to talk to all of our other campuses right now, everyone who's not physically here in Powhatan, to acknowledge that we've got no heat physically here in Powhatan, <laughs> so it feels like the opposite of hell here, which I always thought was heaven, but, but it ain't. It's Antarctica. <clears throat> So bald guys don't do cold, and if, so if you see me getting really excited, it might be because I'm crazy about Jesus, or it could be because I'm freezing my rear end off up here, and we're all in it together, right? So it's, it's wonderful that we uh, have a full house <laughs> today. We can use each other's body heat and our love for Jesus. Okay, so you've heard of a scapegoat, right? Uh, we use this word, this concept of a scapegoat to mean, to refer to someone or something that gets framed for the crime or blamed for the problem when the real culprit is overlooked and is never held accountable, right? When I was a kid, uh, at least once or twice, I'll just confess to you, I let my younger brothers, I was the oldest, I would let one of them get in trouble for some rule infraction, like uh, leaving the refrigerator door open or uh, a missing donut eaten mysteriously before dinner. Uh, I was the one that did the crime, but Jeremy or Jason did the time. Now, guilt usually moved me to a confession and the reversal of all the injustices, but once or twice, when mama wasn't all that mad and when the yelling wasn't all that bad, I just let it happen. They were the scapegoat. Do you know where the phrase, the, the, the concept, the word comes from? It's actually, uh, its origin is actually in the Bible. A scapegoat was a kid goat that was released into the wilderness and it, it carried with it the sins of all the people. We read about it in the book of Leviticus. Aaron, who's the priest, will place both of his hands on the goat's head and confess aloud over it the, all the guilt rebellion and wrongdoings of the people of Israel. And in this way, he will transfer the sins of the people onto the goat's head, and then another man who has been selected for this special task will drive the goat into the wilderness, and when the man releases the goat in the desert, it will carry all of the offenses of God's people away into the desolate wastelands, the scapegoat. So the goat does the time, even though the people did the crime or crimes. Sounds like a good trade to me. Now that we've emerged from the pandemic, which will be one of the markers in our lives for the rest of our lives, I've noticed that we as a culture have used it in all of its awfulness as a black hole of blame. The pandemic has become our scapegoat. Let me show you. Financial problems, it's the pandemic's fault. Inflation, pandemic. Political woes, marriage issues, mental health crises, division and strife, and the 12 pounds I've gained, 
Okay, 15. It's all heaped on top of our shared and convenient evil contemporary, the pandemic of 2020, our ultimate scapegoat. But what if? What if we are actually in a little bit of denial? What if the real culprit of at least some of our issues is not the convenience of COVID, but something that has been in existence much longer? I think modern history provided us a way to have a bit of selective amnesia. But the truth is, we've needed to find a better way long before the pandemic. And that's what this series is about. It's about examining some of the major areas of our lives and taking a step, just a step, towards something more healthy, more fulfilling, something better. Now, if you've been around our church for a while, you might think this series oddly familiar. No, no reason for us to try to hide it. I'm just going to go ahead and say it. We do a series like this just about every year because in spite of our convenient scapegoat, We've been battling a better way for some time, for some of us a long time. So I hope you won't miss a week of this series. In fact, if you'll commit to being here every week for the whole series, I can pretty much guarantee that we're going to show you a way to implement a better way to live your life. Today, we're gonna talk about this, what, what we're all doing right now. We're gonna talk about church. Did you know that church is not a man-made invention? Uh, we're not the same as any other civic organization that you could name, although many of those organizations do really great things. The Lions Club, the YMCA, which I'm a member of, the Rotary Club, which I was a part of for over a decade, Shriners, the PTA, the United Way, Habitat for Humanity, World Vision, Compassion International, the Scouts, the list seems endless. And all those organizations do something good. We even partner with some of them. My wife Susan and I are doing a disaster relief trip in Florida uh, at the end of this month. Now, we're obviously doing it with our church, but we're partnering with Samaritan's Purse. By the way, there's still time for you to join us if, if you'd like to go. The point is, there are many worthy causes that, that help people that are actually change agents, but the church, the church is in a category all of its own, established by Jesus himself and charged to one end. Let me show you. Then Jesus came to them, his followers, and he said, all authority in heaven and on earth has been given to me. Therefore, go and make disciples of all nations baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit and teaching them to obey everything I have commanded you. And surely I am with you always to the very end of the age. So first, the first thing Jesus does in these final words, these parting words he gives, is he reminds his hearers of his authority. He's saying, I have the right to say what I'm about to say to you. When I do a wedding, Every time, after the procession and the giving away and the vows and the rings and the unity moment and the praying together and all the things, at the very end, I say these words. And now it is my pleasure 
with the authority given me by the laws of this commonwealth and looking to God for his blessing, I pronounce you husband and wife. When I say those words, I'm saying, look, I'm not just some hack. This is not some unofficial proceeding. This is not a sham wedding. It's the real deal. And I've been given the authority to do it. So when Jesus says all authority in heaven and on earth has been given to me, he's reminding his hearers that this is not just another movement and he is not just another founder. He's not a religious nut. This is not a fad. It's not the flavor of the month. He has the authority. How much authority? All of it. And then the consequence, the, the charge, since I have the authority, Jesus says, I use it to authorize you. More than that, I use it to commission you. To what end? That you would go. That you would go. That you would go and make disciples. Basically, Jesus says to his followers, go make more followers. Note what he didn't say. I always like to do that when I read the Bible. It's a tool you could employ too. Look at what's not said. Jesus did not say, all authority in heaven and on earth has been given to me, so I say to you, make sure you take care of yourselves, you hear? Oh, why, why do we even say that, by the way? How, how, do we think about this? I say it too, I just think it's funny. Uh, take care of yourself, you hear? Oh, I'm so glad you reminded me of that. I would have forgotten to take care of myself. <laughs> Here's another one we say. We say, when our, you know, when our kids are leaving or whatever, you know, we say, drive safely. Drive safely. Thank God you told me that. I was thinking about driving off a cliff, and then I remembered your parting words. It saved my life. <laughs> I say this too. I just think it's funny. Jesus is speaking parting words here, and instead of using his parting words to challenge his friends to protect each other or to prepare for hard times now, or to hide from the coming persecution, Jesus gives them the opposite charge. He says, I want you to go into the danger and help other people become my followers too. In fact, make them in every nation, the entire world, the name of Jesus proclaimed in every corner, every language, every era. And the vehicle through which this truly impossible mission was going to happen would be the church. Now look, I want you to remove, if, if I could just ask you to do this, try to remove from your mind the, the suppositions and the images and, and all the assumptions that you have when you think of the, when you hear the word church, whatever comes in your mind, clear it out, at least for just a second. Because when we think church, we think buildings and ceremony and worship styles and coffee and climate control. We think butts in seats for an hour on Sunday. We think programs, kids and students. We think of an address where our map app can recognize and navigate us. But Jesus didn't think about any of those things. The church that Jesus founded, he used a word. The word he used was ecclesia. And it didn't mean church the way it's gotten translated and morphed into our culture and even into our Bible. The ecclesia, which is what he talked about, it was a movement, not a location. It was fluid, not fixed. It was dynamic, not dull. It was focused, never fractured. 
which led the church to being united behind its single charge and the one who had the authority to make the charge. Go, all authority in heaven has been, and on earth has been given to me, therefore, go and make disciples of all nations. Now, over time, the church lost its sense of movement and its sense of focus. It became powerful, and when something becomes powerful, that's always a problem for human beings who love to hoard power and love to adulterate it. Jesus had used his authority to give legitimacy to this movement that was supposed to change the world, but it didn't take long for its leaders to use it to enrich themselves and leverage their growing power to political ends. So the stunningly beautiful buildings became monuments, even idols. And for many, the ceremony of it all became an empty checklist. Go to confession, check. Communion, check. Listen to a boring homily, check. Whoo! Now I can go back to my regular life where God isn't mad at me anymore. And if any of that sounds familiar to you, I'm here to tell you that God never meant for it to be that way. The church, the ecclesia that Jesus had in mind was far more than all of those things. And if I can be really frank, in this moment in our culture and in our history, the church has sometimes become a place even where trauma happens, where people are wounded and hurt emotionally and spiritually, even physically sometimes. And I know, I know that there are people here with us today who've been hurt by church or at church. And the idea of church might represent for you pain and deceit and abuse. And if that's you, I hope you'll at least let me say to you, I am really sorry and truly. The second thing I want to say to you is how brave, how courageous of you to be here today. I'm so grateful. I'm so grateful that you came. And we'd be honored to care for you and to, to help you heal. Because the truth is that God never meant for his ecclesia to hurt people. Jesus envisioned a movement. He, what he saw was a vibrant, life-giving, soul-filling, world-altering, magnetic, kinetic, living expression of God's love and care for the pinnacle of his whole creation, people. More specifically, all people, which led Jesus to charge his followers to one end. I'll paraphrase it. Go get them. From next door to the next continent, do whatever it takes, sacrifice whatever is necessary, because for Jesus, the ecclesia was never a place, and he would never reduce it to a service time. For Jesus, for his ecclesia to reach its full potential, though, his followers would need to commit to this movement and believe in its life-giving potential and persevere through obstacles and culture and politics and opposition and trouble. Only then, only when the ecclesia was fully committed, would it see its greatest potential realized. Only then would it find its fullest effect as the instrument of this divine level global change instrument. So what does it mean to commit to it? 
Well, well, I'll get to that, at least in part. But first, I want to talk for a minute about what the church is about to do, what your church is about to do. Let's bring the, the ecclesia that Jesus envisioned to this moment in time here. Because, I mean, we can be honest about this. I said earlier, Jesus never envisioned buildings. We do have buildings. And we do have some you know, times when we gather, like this one, usually on a Sunday. And we do have a few rituals around here, like communion and baptism, which Jesus names in Matthew 28, and none of that is bad. So if you interpreted this little rant I'm having as, as uh, you know, that going to a specific church in a specific location in a specific time as a part of your weekly routine, if you interpreted me saying that that's bad, I'm, I'm really sorry. That wasn't the message I was trying to send. It's not bad. It's just not enough. It's incomplete because church was supposed to be so much more than that. We catch a glimpse of what the church really looked like in Acts chapter 2. After Jesus has given his followers this charge, and now they're in charge, and they start to do some things, and it's exciting. First, Peter, one of Jesus' closest followers, he's approached one day by this massive crowd of people, thousands of people, and they're, they're hungry. They're asking honest questions, and, and they're, they're uh, anxious to find the answers. And Earlier when we meet Peter, early in the story of, of, of the life of Jesus, Peter's still green. He doesn't really understand Jesus. He stumbles a bit. But now, when we see him now in Acts 2, he's ready. And he answers these questions, and he tells them the truth about who Jesus is. And that's where we pick up the story. Luke writes this. He says, whoever made a place for his message, his message is Peter's message to the crowd. Whoever made a place for his message in their hearts received the baptism. In fact, that day alone, about 3,000 people joined the disciples, joined the church, the ecclesia. The community continually committed themselves to learning what the apostles, that's the pastors, taught them, gathering for fellowship, breaking bread and praying. Everyone felt a sense of awe because the apostles were doing many signs and wonders among them, and there was an intense sense of togetherness among all who believed. They shared all their material possessions in trust, they sold any possessions and goods that didn't benefit the community and used the money to help everyone in need. They were united as they worshiped at the temple day after day. In homes, they broke bread and shared meals with glad and generous hearts. The new disciples praised God, and they enjoyed the goodwill of all the people of the city. Day after day, the Lord added to their number everyone who is experiencing liberation. Can, can you feel it? Did you catch it? These people were not going to church. They were the church. They centered their lives around their faith in Jesus, but more to the point, they centered their lives around others who centered their lives around their faith in Jesus. And together, they became the force, the movement, the kinetic life change agent that God always had in mind. And because of that, day after day, the Lord added to their number everyone who is experiencing liberation. Make sure you don't miss this because one leads to the other. When people who are pursuing God, trying to draw closer to God, trying to know God, trying to follow him better, trying to live more like Jesus, when they do life with other people who are also trying to 
know God and draw closer to God and follow him more closely and, and become more like Jesus, when they come together and they also share the common goal of hoping and praying and believing that God will actually help them help others come to follow him, when people like that come together and join forces, the result is that day after day, the Lord added to their number everyone who is experiencing liberation. This cannot happen when we go it alone. If you've been one of those folks who've said, and I don't, I'm not trying to beat anybody up, I'm just pointing out something that is a common. If you've been one of those folks who've said, I really don't need to go to church to believe in Jesus, you are right. Seriously, you're right. I'm not talking, though, about going to church as an hour per week service where you check a box. You're right. You don't need that to believe in Jesus. But you do need to be a part of the ecclesia of Jesus, planted in the community of Jesus followers who rub off on each other, who encourage each other, who cheer each other on, who, yes, worship together, who pool their resources and pray together for this common goal that we share that Jesus would do in us and through us what he told us to do, that we would make disciples all around us and all around the world. And that you cannot do on your own. When you decide to center your life around this community of faith, you get a double win. Everybody wins. You get the ultimate support for you, for your family, and you get to know that you're a part of something that will outperform anything else you could possibly invest your life in. Let me show it to you one more time. The community continually committed themselves, committed themselves continually to learning what the apostles taught them, gathering for fellowship, breaking bread, and praying together. Everyone felt a sense of awe because the apostles were doing many signs and wonders among them. There was an intense sense of togetherness among all who believed. They shared their material possessions and trust. They sold any possessions and goods that did not benefit the community, and they used the money to help everyone in need. They were united as they worshiped at the temple day after day. In homes, they broke bread and shared meals with glad and generous hearts. The new disciples praised God. And they enjoyed the goodwill of the people of the city. And day after day, the Lord added to their number those who are ex everyone who is experiencing liberation. A few years ago, true story, a mom and her uh, four kids, I think, were enjoying a, a normal fun day on a Florida beach. When this mom noticed that two of her kids uh, seemed like they were in distress in the water a little past the breaking waves. And so, like any mom, she rushed in to save them, and only when she got to them did she realize that the problem was they were caught in a, in a deadly riptide. Well, her mom, the grandmother, was on shore, and she saw this happen once the mom got there, so she rushes in. Now there's four in the water in trouble. Eventually, there were nine people about to drown. They couldn't save themselves. They couldn't save each other, and that's when this remarkable thing happened. Eighty beachgoers total strangers formed a human chain stretching from the safety of, this, of the dry sand all the way out into the trouble in the water. And one by one, they saved every single person. Every one of them was rescued. And when I heard that story and sort of let it sink in and, and sort of asked God, you know, what could I learn from this? I thought about the church, the one that Jesus had in mind. 
when you're a part of that kind of church, you're a part of a family who jumps in to help each other. We're stronger together. We support those who struggle, and everybody struggles sometimes, including me. We care for each other. We pray for and with each other. We get real in small groups where we can have more uh, personal and intimate relationships. And the entirety of the body, that is our whole church from all of our locations, we pool our resources together so that if somebody needs a pastor or somebody needs spiritual direction or somebody needs care for their marriage or at times a little financial help, we have it. Because we're the ecclesia, so much more than a meeting place and time. We're a people on the move. And you get to be a part of something that's so much bigger than yourself. But to really be a part of it requires a commitment from you. Jesus gave the charge, and the church rallied to accept it. But every person got to decide. You get to decide. And I'm not trying to beat you up. I'm trying to invite you in. Instead of centering your life around fun things, which you still get to do, or other causes, which you can still help, or sports, which you can still watch and your kids can still play, I urge you instead to center your life around the ecclesia, the movement that will change the world when every follower of Jesus accepts his commission. That means getting involved. It means making the sacrifice, join the dream team, help us make church happen, not just on Sunday, but in the thousand things we do in between Sundays. It means making a real financial commitment because try as I might, I can't figure out how to keep the movement going without some funding. It means showing up, not just when you're in crisis or when you don't have anything better to do, but because this is the best thing you can do because this movement matters. So this year, one of our mantras at our church is everything we do is an experiment, but this year, we're going to kind of take experimentation to a new level. We're going to try all kinds of things to give different on-ramps for people who want to put their toe in the water with us. For example, for the first time in a long time, I'm inviting every man in our church to come to a gathering called The Huddle, the last Saturday of this month, January the 28th. Uh, as I like to say to guys, because guys, guys who've never been a part of anything like this, they always get just a little bit freaked out, like you don't know what, what's going to happen. So let me give you some assurances. We're not going to get naked. <laughs> just saying. That, it should give you peace of mind. We're not going to do anything weird. We are going to eat breakfast together. And we're going to have some fun together. And we're going to talk about how faith is lived out as a man today. And it's a, it's a great time to invite a guy who might be a little bit nervous about church, but might be willing to come to something like this. After an amazing uh, first time we've ever done this event uh, for women last year, we called it For You. We're gonna build on that momentum. We're gonna do it again this year. Uh, here's one that I think a ton of people are really gonna get excited about in our church. Starting in February, starting next month, on the fourth Wednesday, we're going to do a worship experience almost every month as a whole church in 2023, starting next month on the fourth Wednesday. This will be all of our physical campuses coming together in a single location, but it will not always be the same location. 
So we'll get to do it at every one of our campuses at least once, beginning the fourth Wednesday in February. So keep your eyes open for that. We're going to experiment with a podcast coming soon so that people can kind of peek into what a group of people, uh, how a conversation about last Sunday's, whatever last Sunday's message is, how to unpack it and apply spiritual biblical truth organically into our lives. Every quarter in 2023, there will be a spiritual retreat happening that you can be a part of. The father-daughter ball is coming back in 2023, and we're bringing back the, a famous, renowned, in, internationally recognized marriage guru, Mark Gunger. He'll be at our marriage retreat. We piloted a mom's group at our Midlothian campus. It's really offering some connection points for folks and some great relationships, and importantly, some spiritual conversations are happening there. We're going to do daily worship for nearly half the year in 2023, broken into three seasons. And we've got opportunities for people to connect with our guys at the Nottaway campus, and hopefully soon, the Virginia Correctional Center for Women uh, campus will open. We've got events coming this year for leaders, for kids, couples, single folk, students, people in recovery, mission trips, community trips. I could go on and on and on. The point is this. You can be a part of the movement here. Every one of these things has a reason behind it. It's not just a program. We're trying to do what Jesus told us to do. And in the process of being involved, you will draw closer to God. You will get to know him better. You'll rub shoulders and do life with others who do that too. But this will not happen by accident, and it will not happen casually. It'll only happen with a commitment. I've thought a lot about why the earlier followers, the first followers of Jesus, why did they sacrifice so much? Why did they put themselves in danger you might not know that many of Jesus' original followers were martyred brutally. Why would they do that? Because they were so bought into Jesus that they could not stand the idea of the rest of the world living without him. That's how we feel too. There's nothing as potent and world-altering as the ecclesia when the ecclesia is working right. So come with us. Jump in. Get involved, join the dream team, get in a small group, and let's change the world together. In 1993, when my daughter was just two years old, I came face to face with my life. The way that I lived it, the values that I was passing on to her, it happened in an instant, and I realized immediately that something had to change, that I had to change. But I also knew I just couldn't do it on my own. So one Sunday, we pulled in the, into the parking lot of a church we'd never been to, filled with people we'd never met. And to this day, I am so grateful that those folks took the charge Jesus gave them seriously. Because raw and broken as I was, they welcomed me. And they mentored me and they prayed with me. They taught me. They helped shape me. They encouraged me. They, saw, they said they saw something in me. They invited me to be one of them. And then after many years, they sent me out to get more people like me. That church showed me what church could be like. They showed me what church should be like. And it has little to do 
with worship style and decor and coffee brand and climate control. But it has everything to do with commitment. Commitment to Jesus, commitment to each other, commitment to the common cause that he gave us to go and make disciples of every nation. Hey, let's do that. Let's do that together. Can I ask you to stand up with me at every one of our campuses? We're gonna, I'm gonna lead us just in a moment of prayer and then we'll maybe renew our commission together just briefly. Pray with me. God, first, we want to acknowledge before you that some of us are here today unsure about you. And we thank you, God. We thank you that we can journey in faith together, whether, whether we've had a solid faith for a long time or we're still exploring it. Would you speak to that person today, God? Would you show yourself to him or her today? that they might see you and know you and know how much you love them and care about them. God, would you help all of us in your ecclesia be agents of that kind of love and care and life change, the life change that many of us have gotten to experience. And yet, you didn't just save us. You called us to something greater than ourselves. Your ecclesia, your movement of life change. Thank you, Jesus. We commit anew that we'll go and make disciples of every nation so that at the name of Jesus, every knee would bow and every tongue would confess that you are Lord to the glory of God. Thank you. We commit anew to your ecclesia. We pray it in Jesus' name. And everyone agreed and said, amen. It's a new set on you and you meet me here today with mercies that are new all my fears and doubts yeah, they can all come true because they can't stay long when I believe you are the way yeah the truth is the way, the truth, and the life, and we want everyone to know that. We're committed to reaching everyone around us with that message, and one way that we do that is by being the church, not just coming to church. We're committed to going beyond ourselves, to do good in our communities, and to be the change that our world needs. Now, several opportunities are forming right now for how you can be involved from disaster relief trips to local food drives, and as a reminder to all of us to do good, whether taking part in a church-sponsored project or seeing a need and responding on our own, we have a free t-shirt for you. So to get one, if you live within 20 miles of a campus, we ask that you contact the campus and pick one up. If you don't live near campus and you want to get a free t-shirt, then you can get one by going to the link on the screen 
or click the link in the chat and we'll get one to you. Wear it as a reminder to yourself and a message to those around you that we are called to and God is counting on us to do good in our world. Now live that out this week. Come back next Sunday and invite a friend to join you. We'll see you then.